Hello and welcome to the Within Us podcast. My name is Ozzy Jankovic and I am so glad that you are here. In today's episode, you are going to learn the tools and strategies you need to improve your attention, focus, and your memory. If you have ever wasted precious time looking for something or forgotten what it is that you came to do, or if perhaps you could utilize the power of memory to learn more quicker and more effectively in your studies or in business, this is the episode for you. With so much going on in the world, I know that I've found myself in a state of flux, sometimes feeling really great and other times feeling really isolated and really uncertain and missing family and missing friends and wanting to connect with people more. So I decided recently, wouldn't it be fun to bring my weekly podcast interview into a live forum so that you all could join live and actually take part in the conversation ask your questions, and do something participatory. You may know by now that my background is in education. I have a teaching credential and a master's degree and a doctorate in education, and I spent many years in various classrooms of all different ages. I absolutely love teaching and learning, and I believe that that is what life is made of, curiosity and learning and teaching and growing. So this idea was born to do the weekly workshop. This week was our second weekly workshop and it happened on Zoom and it was so fantastic to be in there with a group of women who were all interested in learning about this topic. We had really fun breakout groups where everyone had a chance to do a memory activity that Rena organized. It was challenging and it was a brain workout. Really awesome. And I was so excited about this event that I decided to share it here and right away. I actually have a few other episodes in the queue, but this was so awesome. And I wanted to share it immediately with y'all. So here it is. You're going to hear the portion where Rena and I talk and Rena shares about memory, focus, productivity, and she's also going to give you some activities to try on your own that you can use to improve those areas. So before I bring Rena on, I want to make sure that you all know that you can join our workshops live. These are workshops for women happening every week. To learn more and to sign up, visit drazi.co backslash workshop. That's D-R-A-Z-I dot C-O backslash workshop. And come hang out with me inside. It is so much fun. With nothing further, here's Rena. She has been a geriatric social worker for 20 years now. She helps older adults with memory. And initially when I heard what Rena does, I understood the importance to a certain degree in that when we remember things, our lives are more efficient. When we remember things, we can simply operate in the world. But in one short conversation with Rena, I came to learn that sharpening our memories is so much more than that. Rena, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast and here in the live workshop. It's such Thank a pleasure. You. It's a pleasure to be here, Ozzy. It's really exciting for me to be here. Welcome, everyone. And I really appreciate that 
introduction. Sure. Uh, so I, so I'm going to, I want to jog your memory for a second. Sure. And I want to see if you remember the first time we talked, you said something about memory. You said something about how memory, it was almost like memory is our life or memory is who we are. Memory. Okay. So I probably, um, I do remember the first time we spoke. Um, the, you're probably talking, I don't remember saying this, but I'll tell you what it probably is. <laughs> it probably is that memory is our identity. Um, because without memory, we wouldn't know who we are, what our life past was, what, what we accomplished in life without our, it's, our memory is our identity. In fact, it's, I actually probably quoted from Kobos Halavos, which is duties of the heart that talks about memory being so, so integral to our own identities. Is that what it was, Ozzy? I believe so. Yeah, that okay. memory really is who we are. It's our identity. And I thought it was such a, it was such an, an interesting concept because not only is memory, sharpening memory relevant later in life, it's so central to the way we operate in our homes, in our businesses. Can you speak to that a little bit in terms yeah. of how, how you got into this? How did memory become so important to you? Okay. Yes, that is a great question. So when I was about 15 um, or 16, maybe all my friends went to camp and I went to the nursing home to volunteer and I sang and I danced and I played bingo and I loved it. I just, it was something that I connected with deeply that I didn't even realize at the time. It took me probably a long time to realize that this would be my passion in life. And I just loved it. I loved working with older people. Um, at the time, nursing homes were very sad places. It was sort of depressing. People hated going to nursing homes, but I loved it because I realized that I could increase the quality of life like this so easily with people in nursing homes. Um, after I came back from seminary, I went for a degree in first sociology and gerontology because at the time there wasn't such a big, geriatrics and gerontology wasn't so big 25 years ago. Um, and then I went on for a master's in social work and I specialized in clinical aging. And after that, my first job out of graduate school was I was the head of an Alzheimer's department in an assisted living facility. It was an amazing job. I love doing it. But when you work with Alzheimer's patients, you like just start to like think about like what makes memory work and what makes memory not work. And you also see like what you said before, how it's so, so integral to living. And also the fear and the pain and the despair that comes along with it and the families that have to cope with it. And I did a lot of work with that. Um, fast forward 20 years, I'm living in Israel for 21 years and I've done a lot of interesting things in geriatrics here in Israel over the years. But that interest for memory really peaked. I took a course um, several years ago, like when I first came to Israel in Hebrew from a cognitive psychologist on memory. And after that, I was like really, really interested in how memory works. And I realized there's so much to learn about it, both practically and theoretically to help people, um, to help people function better, to help people age more gracefully and have more confidence. And I actually then built on that original course. I read books, I studied it, I watched webinars, I spoke to doctors, I did everything I could to learn more about memory. And I put together my own course and I'm just loving teaching it. So I was teaching it all over Israel. Um, I've taught in four cities many times. Uh, to different groups of people. Um, and it was a big success. The feedback was amazing. The feedback was like, wow, this makes a difference in our lives. This really helps us. 
And I actually have been dreaming about putting it online. And as you know, Ozzy, this year I managed to put this course online. Even before COVID, I was working on this. But COVID helped me just move forward faster because where were all my seniors? They were on Zoom in front of the computer needing stimulation, needing cognitive stimulation, needing social stimulation. So I put my memory improvement course online and I made it, you know, an even better offer. I added a memory assessment to it, made it a really, really um, valuable offer. And I taught people from three different countries. That's the value of what we're doing on Zoom. We can reach so many more people all over. And I don't even have to leave my house. So for me, it's amazing. And I can help so many more people in so many more countries. It's, it's so incredible. And, 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 you know, Rena, it reminds me of what you said when you first discovered the old age homes, the fact that you could improve their quality of life, as you said, so easily. So I'm curious to hear how, how did you do, how do you do that? How do you come into a place that is so seemingly depressing and then infuse it with that life and energy? So I'll tell you our motto, when I worked in the assisted living facility and I was head of a 25 bed locked Alzheimer's unit, that meant that there was a code on the elevator because we were worried about people wandering off. So this was like serious stuff, right? Um, our motto for that you know, unit, and I trained the staff there. Our motto was create a pleasant day, create a pleasant day. Now, at that time, I wasn't doing memory work with them because these were people that were really, um, I would say moderate to severe Alzheimer's. So we're, the people were no longer independent. But it was a very simplistic and beautiful motto. Create a pleasant day, whatever that means. If it, whatever, it mean, might mean just holding someone's hand and walking down the hallway with them. It might mean calling their son on the phone and saying, hey, your mom wants to talk to you. It might mean bringing the cat. Our unit had a cat. And it might mean bringing the cat onto their lap. Create a pleasant day was the motto. So that's how I did it then. It's a little different now because I'm working with a bit of a different population. I'm working with a more active, younger, um, independent population, which I also love doing. I love right. it. And I can make such a difference um, in their lives in terms of my memory work with them. So talk to, us a little little bit, bit. talk to us a little bit about the way that memory presents challenges. What kind of challenges do older adults face? And as well as, you know, women in, say, our age group. Yeah. You can walk us through those phases of life and, and give us a picture. Yeah. So whenever I tell people that I'm a memory coach, no matter what age they are, whether they're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, they all say to me, oh, I need that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have 30 year olds telling me, I can't remember anything. I, I can't remember names. Um, so it's actually, I happen to specialize with what I call midlifers and seniors. So let's say 50 plus, because I love doing that. But really, my work could be applied to people from much, much younger, even. Um, so let's say at our age, let's whatever. It looks like pretty much the people on that I'm looking at are probably around the same age, although I can't see one one video. Let's say like um, between 30 to 50. Yeah. So let's do the 30 to 50. Okay. The 30 to 50, what I find a lot of people are very, very busy and multitasking. Okay. This is a pet peeve. Okay. We are very busy juggling a lot of things. Can we all just shake our heads to that? I I feel you. A lot of multitasking. So what does multitasking feel? It feels like a lot of balls up in the air and then we drop a ball. I forgot the kid's appointment. I forgot to make the appointment. I forgot to pay that bill. What was her name again? Because you were taking care of three children while she told you her name. Or you're, or you're juggling a business perhaps, or starting a business, or juggling a business, or busy with a business. Um, 
So there's a lot coming at you. Now, we also live in a very distracted world. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. So many distracted when we have a computer in our pocket at all times. You have a supercomputer in your super pocket. Computer. I mean, everything, everything's dinging. Your phone, your laptop, your your desktop, your your home phone, the doorbell, everything's dinging at once. So we're on sensory overload. So what happens if you try to remember something when all that's going off? Are you going to be able to remember easily? No. But but here's the good news. The good news is, is that it's not your memory. It is your focus and concentration that's being distracted. So if you forget to turn off the stove and you say, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? What's wrong with me? I'm going to tell you, take a deep breath, first of all, and realize that you were distracted. Someone pulled you away from your kitchen and that's why you forgot to turn off the stove. So it's focus and memory that we're blaming. I'm sorry, it's focus and concentration that we're blaming our memory on. So the first thing you're going to do is the next time you forget something and you get nervous, Stop and say to myself, did I even pay attention to that in the first place? And was I distracted? Most so essentially what you're saying is like it. where our attention goes, our memories are made. Exactly. Exactly. And this is where mindfulness comes in. You will, if you stop and realize that the next time you forget to turn off the stove or whatever you're forgetting, I'm just using that as an example. I want you to think about, were you mindful of what was going on? And I'm sure the answer is no. And this is where some of your work, Ozzy, that you do, the mindfulness, the breathing, the being present is so, 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 so integral to working our memories. Because when, I'm, when I don't let my head go to 100 places at once, I bring myself, I call it aligning your brain and your body, then I could remember where I put my cell phone. I could remember where I put my keys because why? I'm no longer just throwing my keys on the coffee table and forgetting where I put them because it's not forgetting. It's you didn't pay attention in the first place because you weren't focused. Your head was in three other places. Really, really like this. Okay. So aligning, aligning our, it's that act of throwing the key when we're not even like conscious of it, Mm -hmm. right? Where the body and the brain are not aligned. So is there a process that you recommend for actually making that critical connection? Yes. Between the brain and the body. Yeah. So first of all, it's being mindful. So we need to give those tasks that we're for, quote unquote forgetting, but it's not forgetting. We got to give those tasks a little more intention and attention. So instead of my hand throwing down the keys on the coffee table, my brain is elsewhere. And now I'm going to bring my brain to where my hand is. And I'm going to look at my hand and I'm going to watch my hand throw the keys down. And I'm going to hear the clank of the keys on the coffee table. And I'm going to say out loud, I have just put my keys on the coffee table. So we're going to use our senses. The more senses you use to encode a memory, encode means to get it from short-term memory to long-term memory. The more senses you use to encode, the, the easier it'll be to retrieve it. So, so essentially what you're doing is you're looking at the keys with your eyes, mm-hmm. listening for the clink with your ears, and then you're speaking what just happened so that not only are you hearing it again, but you're actively producing that memory. Exactly. You're encoding it deeply. And when you say it out loud, guess what? You hearing yourself say it out loud. That self-talk is so easy and it works all the time. Everyone I give this tip to, it works. So whatever you want to do and you want to remember, say it out loud. Say, I just made an appointment for October 25th at 10 o'clock. I just locked the door. You know, you lock the door quickly, you leave and you're like, oh no, did I, 10 minutes later, an hour later, oh no, I can't remember if I locked the door. Now this happens to people young and old. So 
it's looking at your hand when you turn the key, feeling the key in your hand, again, hearing the click of the lock and saying out loud, I just locked the door. This takes away the self-doubt. And it's this self-doubt that drives people crazy. It causes so much anxiety. But we can get rid of self-doubt by using our senses. When you use your sense, when you, if you use one sense to make a memory, you have about a 10% likelihood of remembering it one week later. If you use four senses, you have a 97% chance of remembering it. So you can go from 10% to 97% chance of remembering it by using four senses. So this is really easy and Incredible. really valuable. You can, you can use it to remember um, if you took your medicines, which is an example for some older people, where you parked your car. Uh, That's I'm the one when you're in the big parking lots yeah. and you don't remember which floor you parked on, right? It I'll give you another, I'm going to give you. I'll give you another another tip for that one. So the first thing is when you get out of your car to say, I parked on 8B. Um, another thing you could do is visualization. So what I just say, 8B, right? I would imagine eight huge bees swarming around my car. And I would close my eyes and for one second, visualize it. Why? Because again, you're using your senses. Your mind thinks in pictures. So you're going to visualize eight bees swarming around your car. If you have a good picture of that, when you come back to your car and you're going to where'd I park right away, that picture of eight bees swimming around your car is going to come to you. And then you remember that you're on level eight in section B, finish. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. So you're going to say it out loud. You're going to visualize it. And you, another trick, by the way, is you could take a picture. Someone last night, I spoke to a group of seniors and they said they take a picture with their phone. And she said the act of taking the picture helps her remember. She doesn't have to go look at the picture but you're actually doing something. So when you do an action, it's also going to encode the memory better. So just taking a picture you know, of where you park. It's so interesting, Rena, listening about even the idea of taking a picture to me. And I tend to like want to move quickly through life and accomplish a lot. It's really all about this act of slowing down. A hundred percent. Like 100%. if we're going to leave the house and we're going to put our keys down, let's be where we are and let's give it some attention rather than, you know, for, for, for some of the young parents, maybe it's that there are kids with their different demands or three people asking for things at once. Mm -hmm. um, all, like you mentioned, all the, you know, the texts coming off and all of those, those, even in our mind for me, you know, the, the, the thoughts can also be like the notifications. And you're 100%. saying, we call all that about it. You're saying yeah, it's all internal back. distractions. Internal yeah. distractions. So we have the, the external distractions. Mm -hmm. We have the internal distractions. But with all of this, there is an element of doing one thing at a time. Yes. Can I talk about that for another minute? The multitasking. Ab so absolutely. So I'm curious in terms of multitasking, like how it relates both to everyday life and mm -hmm. home life, and how it relates to work life. 100%. So multitasking trips up your brain. And when they did research in the workplaces, they found that people that multitask made double the amount of mistakes. So we, we are mistaken. We think, oh, if I can do three things at once, I'm so productive, right? Like years ago, secretaries, they would do a million things at once. And we thought, oh, that was so cool. But the research today shows that actually your brain doesn't do two things at the same nanosecond. Our brains are what's called sequential processor. It means we process information Sequentially means like think in a sequence, one after another. Now, very fast, our brains work very fast, but we actually don't do things, two things at the same like split second. So 
This explains why it's so dangerous to drive while talking on a cell phone. And that's why like here in Israel, there's a thousand checkoff fine and eight points on your license because your brain can't do it. When it, you think it can, and we all do it, unfortunately, but really it's so dangerous. They say driving while talking on a cell phone is the equivalent of driving while drunk. That's how dangerous it is. Now you're gonna ask me, what's the difference between talking on a cell phone and if there's a passenger sitting next to me and talking to me, right? That's a question I get a lot. And the difference is that when you're talking on the cell phone, it's a virtual conversation. I have to imagine in my head who I'm talking to on my cell phone. My brain goes elsewhere. It goes like, it's like daydreaming, right? But when you have someone sitting next to you present, they're right here. It's not a virtual conversation. But what happens if I get lost? I don't know whether to turn right or left and someone's talking to me. So what do I say? I say, wait, wait, I need to pay attention to where I'm going, right? So, yes. And in, in, and in the business, That's fascinating. So yeah, yeah. That's so to answer your question, Ozzy, uh, about the in, in our businesses, we also tend to multitask way too much. And it makes us feel stressed, it makes us less creative, and it makes us also, um, it temporarily reduces our IQ by 15 points. Again, it temporarily reduces our IQ by 15 points when you multitask. And you and I have discussed how our brains are most creative at rest, right? We, I Remember I told you? Okay, so I've repeated brain. this literally four times in groups since you shared it with me. You told yeah. me that we get our ideas, the best ideas. And some of you already heard this while we're in the shower, while we're falling asleep or while we're sleeping. Right. Or on vacation, or on vacation. Love it. And what's the point? The point is that your brain works well when it's at rest and when it's not bombarded by a hundred different things that you're trying to do at once. Rena just gave all of us permission to take a shower and take a vacation. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Go for it. Um, I know I've come up with some real epiphanies in some of those places. It's, it's so liberating. It's so wonderful to know, you know, that as humans, we need that. We're actually, it's actually productive to be unproductive. I think that's yeah. really comforting. I always say I need space out time. But in that space of time, creativity comes to me, actually. So, so let's talk a little bit about, about that, about utilizing this time and you know, other things that we can do so that we're not multitasking, so that we really are optimizing our memory, that we're keeping all of those IQ, you know, IQ points in any right. moment. What are some of the, the recommendations that you have? Yeah. Okay, so people say to me, it's really hard to stop multitasking. And I know it is, um, especially at our age, especially when we have a, we're very busy, right? We're so busy. We have to do so much in the same 12 hours, you know, um, and we feel overwhelmed. So what are some of the, okay, so for, we'll start with our age. And what, by the way, as we get older, it does get more difficult to pay attention to more than one thing at a time. So some can get away with it when they're younger. We will find, and we may be finding already, but as we get older, it gets more difficult to pay attention to more than one thing at a time. So some of the things you could do to stop multitasking are being mindful of what you're doing, taking a deep breath, maybe even between when you switch tasks, when you go from one task to another, take a deep breath, feel present, realize that this is more of a realization that working faster and trying to do everything at once is not going to get you to, to your goal faster, especially if you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed. 
So when I feel overwhelmed, which happens a lot these days, I keep saying to myself, one task at a time, one task at a time. I take deep breaths between my tasks and one task at a time. And that's in terms of, um, now the, the, I want to say there are going to be times in life where we need to multitask. Sometimes we just need to get to the finish line, whether it's Shabbos, whether it's um, putting the kids to sleep, you know, like sometimes we have to multitask, but think about where in your life you can take that stressor out and really just pay attention to one thing at a time. In terms of like business, I would say, turn off your phone when you're writing, when you're trying to concentrate and write an email or create a program, like many of us are doing, um, turn off your phone, turn off, turn off all the beeps and alarms and notifications. Turn off the um, notifications, just close the door, give yeah. yourself the space that you need to be undisturbed. And that's environment. That's actually, I talk about that. If your environment is conducive to you remembering and learning, you're going to do much better than if there's so many distractions in the background. Um, the distractions pull our brain. It's draining. It pulls our brain into too many places at once. And like we said, multitasking trips up your brain. I have a funny story to share. I was on the phone with my friend. We were both on our cell phones. We we're talking, talking, talking. And after a few minutes, she says to me, Rena, you are not going to believe this. I just spent the last five minutes looking for my cell phone. And she was on it talking to me. Oh, I believe it. So I laughed. I laughed. <laughs> and I said, you know why you did that, right? <laughs> Um, she, you know, we call it the absent-minded professor, right? The people that are wearing their glasses on their head and don't know where they are. That is not a memory problem. Okay. That is a focus where you go to the fridge, you open the fridge and say, no, what did I come here for? And this happens to people of all ages, it tends to happen more as we get older. Again, that happens because you have so many intruding thoughts in between the thought to get the milk. And when you got to the fridge to get the milk. You have to, you have to retrace re your steps. Or what I tell people to do is to say out loud, milk, 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 till you get to the fridge and take out the milk. So that's another way to stop multitasking. Is I like keeping that. yourself focused by just repeating whatever it is that you're doing until you do it. Like so sometimes engaging, you have a thought. Again, like it's engaging the senses. I like all of these techniques in terms of being mindful. It's also engaging the senses around creating that memory. And then it's a win-win because you're present. You're actually playing the monopoly game with your kids instead of checking your texts and, you know, tuning in and out. Not that I've ever done that before. Um, <laughs> no. All right. So something fun and honest to end on there. That's the end of the excerpt from the weekly workshop. And we did have a really wonderful activity and a Q&A that I reserved for the live participants. But I want to share with you the activity that Rena gave us because it was so fantastic. The activity goes like this. You have a conversation with one or two other people and you make a conscious effort to speak to them without using the word L. Okay. So you do that. My own experience trying this in the breakout group was hysterical because there were just so many words I couldn't say. The second round, you do the same thing, but you cannot use the word letter E and that one, I mean, there's so many E's in our words. That one was like, we were just laughing so hard, even trying to communicate. And meanwhile, it's really bringing a conscious attention and focus back to the brain. And it's really giving the brain a workout. 
You can get in touch with Rena directly with your questions. She was so kind and generous to offer some handouts. She has all kinds of memory tools for you. Her website is renayudkowski.com. So it's R-E-N-A-Y-U-D-K-O-W-S-K-Y.com. Rena is really so inspiring, so tremendous. She's become a good friend of mine and I feel so blessed that she was here. Next week on the live workshop, I'm hosting another friend of mine. Her name is Jackie Hyman. She and I actually did a podcast interview and the topic was self-defense, but Jackie teaches so much more than self-defense for women. She really teaches about empowerment and boundaries and how not to get in a situation where we'll have to say me too. Now, there's absolutely no shame in having to say me too, but over the course of our conversation, hearing from Jackie, my mind was blown. I actually realized that in so many circumstances over the course of my own life, I've seen abuses of power. I don't think that these power abuses are gender specific at all. I think that they can happen from men, from women, but for me, it's very important that I protect my children and my own safety, their safety, and really become as empowered as possible to move forward in as strong of a way as possible in life, in relationships, in business. And so Jackie and I are going to be getting into not only self-defense, like when you are out and about late at night or you're walking um, you know, down, walking down the street in a neighborhood that you're not familiar with, not really that as much as the everyday practical daily situations. How do you set boundaries with your friends? How do you set boundaries in business? How do you assert yourself without coming off as rude or aggressive while protecting your privacy, while protecting your trust, while protecting your personal space, your body, your emotions? And so she's going to be getting into all of that. And I'm so excited because she teaches women and she also teaches girls and teens. And I think that this topic is so relevant. And I really also believe that this is one of the things that's going to bring a more respectful world in the future. Gender relationships that are built on respect, built on healthy boundaries are critical and I believe we're making a lot of progress. So I'm super excited to host Jackie. I'd love to have you join us for the live workshop. Part of her episode will also be aired here on Within Us, so you can stay tuned for that as well. But if you wanna join live, you can get in on tickets now. You can go ahead and visit drozzy.co backslash workshop. And as my gift to you for being here, I am offering you a very special coupon at checkout, type in the code within us for a special surprise from me. Alrighty, my friends, sending you abundant blessings wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for being here. And wherever you are, I hope that you're meeting yourself with kindness.